So we got invited, Gaming Trend did, to go and check out Final Fantasy VII Rebirth out in sunny LA. At least it was sunny that day. <laughs> so, and I was up to bat, so went out there, got in. Of course, had to get some ramen while I'm there, you know. Daikokuya is uh, to die for. Uh, some of the best broth you can get in ramen. And, you know, I was, that's, that's a good way to start your trip and get ready okay. to go in. So next day, go into the studio, run into LeVar Burton in the lobby of all people. Uh, <laughs> I believe his daughter is an influencer, and I guess Square invited her to be in the session right before me. Mm. So it was, it was like, oh, well, LeVar Burton's in, all, in the lobby. Okay. So that was was surprised. Well, the only thing I could think about, and I don't know who's watched the show, but it was Community, where... So in, in the show Community, uh, Donald Glover, I believe it is, the one who sings the This Is America. Is that Danny or Donald? Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, you talk about... Donald. Uh, yeah, that's Donald. Donald. Okay. So <laughs> in Community, like, he like LeVar Burton, he loves him, <laughs> but then he meets him and just sits there like this. The whole time. That was you. Like, well, I'm glad it wasn't, but that's all oh. I could think about. <laughs> okay. But then it was like, okay, so the craziest thing has already happened now, so now I can go up and just enjoy Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So we got up into the room, got a little short presentation. You know, they had to show us the trailer I'd just seen like an hour ago at State of Play. But uh, once we <laughs> once we jumped in, boy, some some stuff some stuff and we finally get to talk about it on game from gamingtrend.com. Uh, we got our preview. I just wrote the preview, got it all up. Uh, the footage and everything you're going to see were directly captured from the PlayStation five. Uh, it looks as pretty as you are seeing on the screen right now. Uh, we, Anthony and I were talking earlier. It already, it looked great on the PS4 uh, remake did. And you know, remake looks fantastic on the PS five. And this is just the craziest thing is, is this is early preview build that you're seeing right here. So this is when I'm playing it, I'm looking and I'm seeing these little jagged edges, this the the clothing, not as shiny, all that kind of stuff, not as certain textures that aren't as flesh fleshed out. And it's like, man, if it looks this good <laughs> and this is just like first time playing it because we were the all of us that were in these sessions we were the first people in the world to play like now it's at TGS now a lot of people are getting to to play the game we were the first people in the world to get to play this and it looks this good <laughs> like kit, kit, we're already watching the the trailers and like thinking about how good it looks in that and whatnot like it can get to trailer quality considering we're playing this early preview build and i i've had this conversation i might have had it with noah i know i've had it with quite a couple of people but just the fact of uh, every anthony have you ever seen the final fantasy advent children movie oh yes i own it okay yeah i i do as Love well it. i funny enough i owned it on the psp <laughs> like a little disc <laughs> and oh, watched no. on the p it was a good thing to watch on trips so it was Fair. like, you know, <laughs> uh, it's great on the bigger, bigger screens. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, I have the 4K Blu-ray, so I'm I'm right there oh, okay. with you. Uh, but it's like now 
looking at this, playing it and stuff. And it felt that way with Remake, but it feels even more so with Rebirth is we're finally in the era where we're playing the thing we watched this over looks a decade ago. Really, really close to that. Uh yeah. Well, and even the like the cutscenes when you're playing the game and it flows into these uh, I mentioned in the preview, these breaks, these visual breaks in between like you're fighting the monster, it hits that certain thing of health, and then it flows into a cutscene. It it that's the biggest thing with this, is it just flows so well through it. And the reason it can flow like that is it's not just cutting off to load a cutscene. Like what you are seeing in action is what's there. It's the actual product in front of you. And again, this is just simple. I'm walking around a rocky cliff area and stuff. And it's like, okay, it looks this pretty. <laughs> uh, particle effects, all of the different things, which I, it, it, it wouldn't be a good Final Fantasy game without some crazy, awesome particle effects flashing around everything. Um, you did see right as well, right there on the screen, uh, playing as Sephiroth. I was going to ask. <laughs> so we got to play two different missions uh, in our demo. Uh, the second one pops up a little bit at the end. We were able to play the Mountain Ibel mission where you are. It's a flashback with Cloud and Sephiroth going to do some stuff from the Nibelheim kind of era. And then we got to play an open world section of current day. But playing as Sephiroth is just like everybody imagines Sephiroth is a power fantasy. Like when you're playing as Sephiroth and it feels that way. Like even if I missed, it got hit and stuff. I never really felt like Sephiroth was really taking a hit, if that makes hmm. sense. Like and maybe that's intentional. Maybe it's just the... Maybe it's just how I took hits or whatnot, but it, it just felt like I could just go in there and just wail on whatever was it, going going around. It wouldn't be uncommon for a JRPG to give you some uber-powerful character for a while. A lot of JRPGs yeah. do that, and then for whatever reason, they take them away. Yeah. Well, and of course, the question is how... This is a flashback mission. Obviously, we know with the story with Final Fantasy VII Remake, this is an alternate timeline so we don't know how people are going to be in different areas. It's it's still stuff we're finding out. So the question is, is are we going to play as Sephiroth more than this? I'm assuming, are we going to play as him outside of just a flashback? So th that's kind of the question with it. His, his stuff is just fun. He's fast. Obviously, the sword being so long allows you to get some good hits in from a distance, but it's even more fun when you close the gap and just go running in and just <laughs> slice and dice with him. Um, he, he's just fun to use. I, I, I know it's, he's just an additional party member, but he's a lot of fun to use. Uh, the cool thing is you could, of course, in final fantasy seven remake switch between party members. That's of course back. Uh, something that kind of sticks with me, I know there are some people who just aren't as happy with the whole move from turn-based to action. Like, there's still people that, that wish the game was still turn-based. Uh, I'm not one of them. I like the whole action idea. Uh, I always thought that if they took the Kingdom Hearts formula and put it into Final Fantasy, it'd be really cool. And they kind of have... With 
with this, I like that it feels like there's still tactical ways to play. Like you, you, you don't just choose one character, run in, and just press square until everything's dead. You you do spend your time. Okay, I just did this. I need to switch over to this character, and then maybe their abilities can help me right here. If I switch to this character, maybe there because. In this open world section, you get a lot more of the variation. Cloud and Sephiroth play different, but similarly. Whereas here, I had in my party, I chose to have Cloud, Barrett, and Red 13. And all three of them are completely different when it comes to how they actually attack. And that was a cool thing as well. I'm playing as Cloud, running around, hitting this boss that ends up popping up. And then Cloud gets trapped. <laughs> in a lock and it's like well crap what do i do from here so i swap over to barrett and go long range and start shooting at the the water cell that was surrounding cloud to to get him out and then switch over to red 13 who's a lot more close engaging with his fighting style because you know he's a i guess dog wolf don't know exactly what kind of creature he is i know i'm gonna lose some points for for that but you know, that's just the way he fights as the, the animal is, which it's hilarious because you can ride chocobos and Red 13 rides a chocobo. All the pictures you have seen on Twitter <laughs> and stuff, it, it is real. Red 13 rides a chocobo. <laughs> and that it is, I am so here for it. <laughs> it's like, bro, you just tired? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it, but... <laughs> There's some meta um, conversation about that. <laughs> exactly. An animal riding another animal. <laughs> yep. Uh, the the combat, I know I just spoke on tactical. I'm kind of jumping around here. There's there's just a lot of different things that you experience. And for me, I'm it was a little newer for me because I didn't finish Remake. But I liked what I played of Remake, but it's been a long time. It's not just the swapping characters that's important. It's what you're doing. Because as you do just your regular attack, you build up your ATB gauge, which allows you to spend your ATB gauge on three different things. You pretty much get the opportunity to use either an ability that you have, like everybody remembers Cloud's Braver attack and such like that. Uh, You've got using your your magic, so like casting, fire, blizzard, all the different things. you got to spend a, an ATB segment to be able to use that. And then I'm not as big of a fan of it, but you also need that for using items. Uh, that just, again, just I get the idea of not being able to spam <laughs> items like crazy. But at the same point, I, I don't like the idea of it. <laughs> Because I items to me are just are not something that should be tied behind that, but I, I get why. It's it again brings out that tactical idea behind everything. The as cool long as thing, it feels like it's got some strategy behind it, and it's it, not some useless gate that feels bad. And, and that's where I, I get it, and why I'm okay with it, even if I don't like it. Like sure, you, you yeah. can you can kind of see where somebody's going with something. With this as well, though, when you spend when you spend those points, those ATB points, what's neat about it is it builds a synergy gauge as well. 
So you're actually encouraged. It's like you don't need to just sit on these ability uh, on using your abilities or using your items or using your your magic. You're spending these opens up even more skills to be able to use. And the synergy, the synergy skills are actually where, like, for instance, you saw Cloud and Sephiroth team up for that cool attack at that one point in the video. Uh, That also happens with Barrett and with Red 13 and each of these members has their own synergy attack and essentially what you have to do and this again encourages that idea of switching party members for instance with Barrett and Cloud I had to have each of them spend four (laughs) ATB points to be able to, and, and it's both characters. It, I couldn't just spam it with Cloud and then do my thing with Barrett. Barrett also had to do it as well. So it, again, encouraging the switching. So then I could use that powerful synergy attack from there to spin those points. And then it's back to the drawing board again, using my ATB gauge to build up that synergy gauge. Are there moments where when you switch that the AI decides to use some of the ATB gauge for any reason? Uh, I believe that you can issue commands. I, I didn't do again. I only had so much time with the demo, so I wasn't able to fully explore some things because you get locked in on certain other things. And I was discover. I really felt like I was discovering a lot of the systems. But I'm sure even if they didn't in my demo, I would assume that there is a way similar to like Kingdom Hearts and whatnot that you can kind of determine how often or how heavily that they would use things on their own. Sure. I would imagine too, but I just at least wanted to ask the question. Yes. Um, But you do build up those ATB gauge points pretty quickly. Uh, You just got to, again, you are, the game is encouraging you engage in the fight. Don't just sit back. There are also some synergy skills that I didn't get to use a lot with the guard ability. And it was mainly the, I didn't understand how they were working. I'm assuming the game will teach you a little bit more as you're playing. You'll learn as you're playing what they do. Uh, When I was trying to do one of the guard abilities with Cloud, it it felt like I was kind of going to block, but then Sephiroth used like a magic, a materia magic or whatever on my sword. And then it was winding up and I could let it go for a big hit and, I, f- I think I was probably just timing things a little bit wrong and I was still figuring out the whole, okay, how am I doing this to do this correctly? <laughs> so I, I'm at least getting the feeling I was missing something with, with the sure. synergy skills on the guards. But it, what's cool is I was able to figure all of this out in less than 30 minutes. Like that there, that's a lot there. There's a lot of menus you do not see. And between the, just the way the on-screen prompts work, the UI design, the tutorial prompt that pops up, it just popped up there talking about the stagger on our screen. They're, they're giving you the, and I'm trying to think of the right word. They're, They're prompting you in the right direction with a lot of this. And that's a really great thing, especially for me who I haven't played as heavily of seven remake. So I don't under if, if a lot of these systems are still in the, in remake, I don't understand those systems the same way someone else that played it a lot does. So if you can kind of call me casual in that sense, that means that it is appealing to a casual 
someone who's a more casual player and didn't understand these systems beforehand. So that's that's a cool thing to me that they have been able to make it where you can figure it out a lot easier on your own. Me trying to think about the other things that we got to do. There's just like I said, there's was there was a there was a lot here in a short amount of time. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things that was in there that I thought was really funny is that. I got stuck <laughs> with Cloud. Uh, this big Materia Guardian picked me up in its claw and held me there. And I'm just sitting there waiting for some sort of button prompt of mash this button to get free. Or <laughs> or waiting for like uh, something else and like shimmying this analog stick, seeing if I can wiggle three. No. What you have to do is switch party members and then... What you would do is you'd run up as you'd run up, run up as yeah, as as Sephiroth. And I would either wail on the claw or with that claw being up there, you would specifically cast fire at the claw to to free cloud. So it's like, yeah, it's obvious while not being obvious. (laughs) And I like that because it's like it's. I like it when a game trusts me to figure it out, not when a game makes me figure it out. Does that make sense? <laughs> they're they're so they're, I know what you're trying to say. Maybe in the sense of that they they aren't, and I feel this way about another game that I've gotten to play recently too. But there are some games that just absolutely hold your hand, like you are told how to do every little single thing and drug along through it. There are other games mainly souls games where it's like screw you (laughs) you're gonna have to figure this out or just die (laughs) and you get frustrated but then there are some games that have this happy middle of we're gonna give you some information without just leading you straight into the solution and we trust our players enough that we can put them in a position where they can figure this out sure it is it is very much, I don't know, maybe that 90s style of design where it's like, we're going to introduce a mechanic and then we're going to throw all different kinds of scenarios that you might have to use it in, but we're not going to make it so obvious like it's a Zelda dungeon. Like, you got the bomb. Yeah. Okay, you're going to use the bomb in the next dungeon. It's, it's scenarios yeah. like this where we're introducing switching characters to you and staggering. And, oh, the boss also like grabs a claw. How are you going to handle it? Yep. <laughs> Where every other game usually is like wiggle the control stick or attack out of it. And, and it's that's like, nope. what I waited for. That's literally what I was testing all of those things. Like I was actually playing as Sephiroth for a second and then switch back to Cloud in the claw and tried a couple other <laughs> things trying to get out. Like, <laughs> like it, it's it wasn't obvious, but the game trusted me to be like, hey, you're gonna get there. <laughs> we got you buddy yeah <laughs> and, and i did it, it, it i figured it out as i continued to play the game so it's just it was really cool and like i said the tutorials are there without being over overbearing at the same time um what you're seeing here is in the open world and the scale does seem very large i didn't have a lot to do in my open world section i'm assuming that's Probably more due to, you know, that this is the very first preview (laughs) 
you, you I'm not just going to walk into the world and be able to play every single mission that they've got available in that area. And we were walled off, even though it was a pretty good sized area. It's really impressive, though, when you open the map and you scroll around and you're like, uh, oh, OK, there is a lot of map here, even though it's covered by that the the fog that so you can't see anything else beyond where you're at. And there's going to be a lot of game here. I know the, the game director said there's almost 100 hours of content in this game uh, story. I think they said will be around 40 hours. So you've got Oof. about 60 yeah. hours worth of additional content. It's nice. It's just cool that they have. Uh, I, I don't remember about the the conversations Noah and I had at GameStop when they first announced this, but I'm almost sure we probably had some sort of conversation when we found out that it was going to be three parts. And man, they're really <laughs> they're really uh, money grabbing here <laughs> because that's the automatic and instead this is like you know without spoiling a lot the story just takes a full-on jump into almost like it's a reboot without being a reboot so you have that freedom of adding new content and all of this stuff and it, they've managed to do this and it's that's just genius to me like that that's that's taking an existing ip and finding a way to do something fresh with it that that still appeals to the players that love the subject matter and the franchise but still introduces something new without trampling all over it it's like hey the it, the original's still here it kind of makes me think of the reboot of uh, Star Trek how it was like you know what we're, we're the original's still there we're not we're not changing the originals we're just finding a way to give it a a proper the proper love that the original deserves while still giving you something brand new and that that's what's happening in this and it's just it's just genius i'm uh, it went from this is a shameless cash grab when they first announced this to oh my <laughs> gosh take my money you can have all of it <laughs> <laughs> all 70 of it yep and it's it's just the like I said, it's just the 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 open world aspect of it. I don't believe the first one, if I'm remembering right, it wasn't as open because of you know that was more contained. Where with what they built, this is going to be very big. This is going to be there's going to be a lot to explore, and even though there wasn't as many side quests in the area I was in, I didn't feel that. And, and there may be still some sections, but the section they put us in didn't feel empty. And that's a challenge that any open world game has is how do we give you a player freedom, but keep them invested and engaged <laughs> to explore. And it, it, at least in this section, they've definitely found how to keep you enjoying yourself. Like even, even the time trials against these, bigger enemies called fiend sightings were, were fun to actually play and try to see if I could get the objectives and get it in the time limit. So they, they've got scale, they've got scope. It's just up to them to fill it from this point. And I, I guess the, the best way to end talking about like my experiences, the, the soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> like I, I'm a humongous soundtrack guy 
And again, you and I talked about it before the podcast started. Uh, if you don't have good sound, if you don't have good soundtrack, you missing something and they are not missing anything because even when I was just walking around exploring the soundtracks great behind it, when I'm in, when you're in a battle, it's that bombastic final fantasy driving you soundtrack. You feel like you're just, you feel like you can beat anything <laughs> when you've got that going. So uh, all of that to say, I'm still thinking about playing final fantasy seven rebirth this week. <laughs> And I'm going to have to go back and finish remake now, <laughs> even though that they don't you they said that you are not going to have any benefits or any crossover in terms of like story with it. But they're, they're sure I think there may be I would I say no benefits, but they made it almost sound like there might be maybe recognize a safe. I'll give you an item or something for playing the first one. And I know there's a absolutely stupid killer deal right now. Essentially, if you pre-order Final Fantasy VII Rebirth on the PlayStation Store right now, they're doing a bundle where you pretty much get remake integrated for PS5 as a pre-order bonus. Like it's seventy dollars for both. <laughs> so it's a killer deal for it. Uh, I I know now I'm just you know shameless plugging. <laughs> For go people going and pre-ordering the game, but <laughs> I, I'm think already I'm still thinking about how much fun it was to play, and I'm going gonna go back and play remake because of this. So it take it from someone who loves the Final Fantasy stuff, but like Zelda, I don't finish it <laughs> most of the time. If I'm wanting to, if I'm actively gonna go pursue playing it, then they're doing something right. Okay. Noah, did you? No, you love Final Fantasy. You be quiet. I well, I'm I'm trying my best to watch but not watch the gameplay. That's what I'm over here trying to do because I want to go in as blind as possible. I just love how Noah uh, is a part of the video game industry yet doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't want to see anything until release date. Like, uh, Noah, this is not like, how being a, a video game podcast host and news writer works. <laughs> I'm trying my best, okay? <laughs> He Noah's is like, who he is. Noah's like uh, those people know. who can text without looking at their phones. <laughs> Writing news literally articles, me. not even looking. <laughs> right. The amount of times I'll avoid trailers for a He, he was like this well before now, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, I believe yeah, it. I, this is not something that grows recently. You don't get into writing games and then all of a sudden, I'm not going to look at anything. <laughs> I'm I'm just happy that they finally gave us a date for it so that now I can start my playthrough again with the integrate mission in it. So I'm just worried I, I, we're already starting to get filled up in beginning we always this always happens, but it's like, come on people, I want a break. I want to play all the stuff. There's still games from this year that are in the backlog, not counting my old regular backlog. No, for the last, I don't know, two or three podcasts and maybe some even few weeks ago, you've been talking about how you go, you are going to play Final Fantasy Remake with Integrade. And it sounds like you haven't started yet. Oh, I have a save file that's got an hour into it. 
<laughs> okay, all right. It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm finally now caught up on the stuff that I've been reviewing, so it's it's like now I can squeeze in some time. I got till February, so I was like, I have to start now because with how, like David said, how insanely packed this holiday season is, it's going to be a little bit at a time. <laughs> and my boy's going to have to be running with me on Call of Duty. We got to grind all that stuff up when Modern Warfare Three comes out. That that is an understatement. <laughs> it's we're gonna pop up on the podcast and just look like from Jumanji. We'll be like, what year is it? You know, we're over here, bro. I thought we we're just gonna look like death. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking like anything else. Oh, it's so great! You guys are cosplaying as zombies. They're like, no, that's just how they look. <laughs> <laughs> There is a lot that happened this week in the span of 24 hours. That was a night. to uh, I was going to bed, and I went ahead and picked up my phone because it was buzzing, and I looked at one of the Discord groups, and they were like, guys, look at what happened. <laughs> yeah, and this it was what? They caught the Bethesda thing first, and then the rest of it started. People started realizing how much more there was. That was what was crazy about this leak. Is it was wait, there's more. <laughs> yes, these Xbox leaks. This was a where were you when this happened moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I was playing F099, getting ready for this. And all of a sudden I get a Discord message in my inbox from David and oh, I, I dropped all of it at, at it was twelve thirty two AM. That was 10.32 my time. (laughs) Yep, I remember. And I saw one message, and then I saw another, and then I saw another. And what I saw before me when I finally looked was tweets from Wario64 showing screenshots of Microsoft plans for Xbox for at least until 2028. Extending into the next hardware the next hardware generation. <laughs> we know everything. That's what's happening. Okay, so let's... I'm going to go over some of the details of this. Um, it might be a lot, but I'll try to go over it in a way that is pretty easy to understand. So, okay. Xbox is creating a mid-generation refresh on the Xbox Series X called Brooklyn. It will have two terabyte storage. Faster Wi-Fi, reduced power by 15%, a new controller, we'll talk about that, USB-C on the front of the console, Bluetooth 5.2, and the shape of the console is now a cylinder. I need to pull up the, yeah, I'll pull up the picture in a moment um, of what this thing looks like. That's what I think. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen it compared to a humidifier. So... Um, it will cost $500 like the original Xbox series X, but more importantly, it will be digital only. Okay. So then the controller, like I mentioned, it will come with a new controller. This controller is codenamed Sebel. It's basically the Xbox wireless too. That's what they call it on the promotional deck that got leaked. It will have Bluetooth 5.2 mobile app features, precision haptic feedback, not new, but VCA haptics that double as speakers, an accelerometer, 
rechargeable and swappable battery, modular thumbsticks, and a lift-to-wake feature, which, if you're a Switch owner, you kind of understand what that is, but this sounds like it's more advanced than that. Um, but here's the best part. Brooklyn, the cylindrical Xbox Series X, will launch November 2024. As far as the deck is, November 2024. And then the Xbox Wireless Controller 2 will launch June 2024. So these things aren't far off whatsoever. But there's more. Let's talk about games. As David mentioned, there was a Bethesda leak of games. Um, So this, what I'm about to tell you is for what Microsoft has for fiscal year 2024, which ends June 30th, 2024. So this, that's as far as it goes. And this, so this, this is, is what probably, it, do you mind if I preface something real quick? Yeah, uh, go for it. Everything that we're looking at uh, was, their stuff was back to fiscal year 20, uh, 2020. Yeah. And if you look at it and you kind of gauge based on what we're looking at because of the way delays worked, most of this, like 2024, is probably 2026 at this point from what we are looking at. Like just yes. So yeah. you'll understand immediately as I start. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to read off the list. All right. Yeah. So this is what was on the list for fiscal year 2024, which ends June 30th, 2024. Okay. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Six, right? <laughs> Project Castrol expansion. Some licensed IP game. That's literally what it says on the list. Fallout 3 Remaster. Elder Scrolls Online Expansion. Ghostwire Tokyo Sequel, Dishonored 3. And then Doom Year Zero DLC. And then one planned title for mobile free-to-play. I don't know if that's either or or both combined. But that's how you can tell this is old because the Elder Scrolls 6 is on there. And the top of the page does read title release schedule. Ain't no way they're gonna have Elder Scrolls Six no. ready by June thirtieth, twenty twenty four. It ain't. Uh, it ain't happening. Let's just let's just put out there that if even if there's a two year gap, it's not coming out in twenty twenty six. Like just no. to be honest. <laughs> no. So we could take the entire list with a grain of salt. All right, but yeah. Fallout Three Remaster, more Ghostwire, more Dishonored, more Doom. I mean, that's not a bad list. Yep. Just just with those right there. But there's more. There's yep. more. We know what Xbox is up to for the next gen console. Listen to this. All right. I'm going to read straight off the sheet. Okay. This is this is what it says straight off the little promotional deck. Quote, develop a next generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences. Optimized for real-time gameplay and creators, we will now or we will enable new levels of performance beyond the capabilities of the client hardware alone. All right, end quote. So this thing, I don't even know if it's console at this point, but it's described as a hybrid. I don't even know what that means, but I will say it does sound fairly intriguing. What we do know is that it will, at, at least as According to this promotional deck, it will use ARM. So it's not going with NVIDIA or AMD. It's going to use ARM. And as far as what the deck says, the GPU will be AMD. So on that regard, they're sticking with that. As far as CPU and stuff like that, AI-related stuff, it will be ARM. 
but it still gets more interesting. There's a section on the deck um, for something called Think OS. And the note it says, and this is all in the same page where they talk about the next gen console. It says lacking Think OS for under $99 consumer or handheld devices. So my question with that is, are we looking at some sort of, you know, integration with console or mobile devices and the controller at one time? Like, are they going to have this device? They just haven't figured out how to make it under $99 yet. That's supposed to connect with all of these things. Don't know. Obviously, there are a ton of questions because we don't have the full information. But my God, this is interesting. Thoughts? Go for it. I mean, this this is devastating. Like, if you're Microsoft, I mean, there, there's... I don't care how many plans, like, have changed or how many directs. These are official slides. There is no way around that this is stuff that you have been working on we all know the second you put out that have that new gen console coming out your team already on the next thing like that that's just how it works because you can't afford to be behind it if i'm sony i'm sitting there huh we know what direction they're going in (laughs) so now your competitor that that's one of the worst things is now your competitors know what your what direction you're looking in? It's not necessarily that they know exactly what you're going to do; it's that they know what direction you're looking in, so they know. Okay, this is how we combat that, and this this is more than just Xbox versus PlayStation. It's just that as a company, that you're in general. Anytime you can get a sneak attack, we know from RPGs that's where you get the extra damage. <laughs> Ain't no extra damage happening now. <laughs> Like you're not surprising people with with this stuff. Like it, it, yes, is it? Can you still do good with what you have? Yeah, but man, it sucks for. I feel bad for Microsoft of having all of this drop. Like it, it's their fault. It, they're the ones that I, somebody got fired, guaranteed, because you uploaded something that you did not realize still had all these files on. Some somebody made the joke. Judge the judge did not mean this when they said no sharpies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it man that that really sucks for Microsoft. Like th- this is a devastating leak. Like this is more than just oh no somebody just dropped the Xbox Series S coming out. Like this is your plans for the foreseeable future. Is there plenty that isn't known? Yeah. I mean, it's only Bethesda games you don't know a lot of xbox proper studios but still that's uh. also adorably all digital i threw up in my mouth like that is the most marketing speak thing i have ever seen (laughs) that they probably wouldn't have stuck with that that that's not a word that would vibe with their audience but (laughs) yes i i do agree Uh, Yes, but this yeah. is what it looks like. Yep. It's cylindrical. It, it I mean, the concept's kind of adorable if you want to, you know, try and I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots. Concept. Yeah, but the adorably I'm alliteration, I guess. I don't know. I mean, this um, this kills discs. Like literally, you, Microsoft unless they are planning on manufacturing the Series X beyond this, like 
discs are dead. Uh, okay, so there's a couple of things I disagree with that, uh, with, with what you said. Number one, discs dead. I don't know, because if we looked at the PlayStation 5, we already know Sony believes, yes, all digital thing is worth it, because they did release a all digital version of the PlayStation 5 right alongside the one with the disc. But we're at the point now that Sony did unle- uh, release a disc add-on for the, for well, the that's digital the, that's version. The, that's the rumor, essentially, right now. Well, okay, I imagine it's probably true because people realize, okay, there is some desire for the disc. So my problem with this is I I don't know if there is enough for people to want to buy the Xbox Series X again for an all digital version. Because if you don't have an Xbox Series X, is this what you want to get? An all digital version, no disc. I don't know if that's the case for most of the people. I know a lot of people download. I know it is the dominant form of purchasing something. But at the same time, if you already have it, I'm not upgrading. Yeah. Right now at GameStop, I could trade in my Xbox Series X for $385. I'd have to pay $115 for this with a few hardware upgrades and the two terabytes, which is nice, but I'm not willing to give up the disc because, you know, I do have a subscription to Gamefly and that allows me to play a whole bunch of games that I wouldn't otherwise be able to play. So I feel like, yeah, it's, they obviously had to do something to it in order to make it more enticing. The Bluetooth, yeah. the Wi-Fi, the IO throughput is actually very important because that will allow loading speeds to be even faster but i feel like that's still not enough with the two terabytes to justify 115 dollars, and i'm not entirely sure most of the people out there would buy this if they don't have one yeah well especially when you're it's the exact same price it's 500 dollars. like it's a lot of times you get these refreshes and that's to bring costs down so that you can sell it at a little bit less of a, a little bit less. And that's the so. interesting part. The, I, the marketing is calling it a refresh, but this isn't a refresh in the same, in, it, in the it, same like way. Like we've had in previous years. Yeah. I mean, it, there's well, no, there's no power upgrade and there's not really a reason that, and there's no price drop. So it's those, the two things that you usually refresh for are not here. Yeah. I guess that's the difference with, the way they're refreshing Nintendo, you know, they'll have, we've, we've seen it. They've Nintendo has been refreshing since the NES. They had the original NES model. Then they had the second NES model. You know, you've seen that with the, the game boy, the game boy advance had like three different models, right? So yes, this, yeah, lunch. <laughs> this is not that this is, no. we're giving you an, another option. If you want yeah. an all digital, more powerful version of the Xbox series X, which is also an all digital version then here it is. But if you don't, then you still have the original, although the Bluetooth isn't as good, the Wi-Fi isn't as good, the IO throughput's not as good. There's these subtle things that aren't as good. I don't know if the average person would be able to know the difference. Yeah. 
Probably it's, not. It's tweaks. You, it's not it improvements. Is. It's tweaks. Well, it is improvements. improvements. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you get you get the levels I'm kind of discussing right there. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, but in regards to Sony knowing everything and this not being a surprise, I would say to that. We still don't know what this, what the next gen stuff is going to be, and what it's actually going to look like in in terms of how it's how it's going to come together. The idea of a hybrid console, I don't know. The only thing I could think of when I think of a hybrid console is the Nintendo Switch. That to me is like the current version of what a hybrid console would be in my mind. You're talking direct to cloud. Um, I don't even know what all that means. Like <laughs> this to yeah, me, I'm like how how much. Like- Chromecast, Fire Stick, like what are we talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, is this like you can play on console, but then there's like the Google Stadia version of Xbox also that you could just connect? Like, I don't, I don't yeah. know what all of this means. So there's still a level of surprise there that even if Sony has an idea of okay, oh, we yeah. know where we're going, there's still also the fact of. Sony's business plan is different than Xbox's. So yes, unlike the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox One, where it was kind of like, we're just going in the same direction. Actually, pretty similar to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X in that way, um, where it's just like, both consoles are pretty dang similar. They just have very narrative. This looks like it's going to be totally different, more in line with whatever future they're looking to have for themselves with game pass and cloud and all that which is completely different than anything sony is looking to do because sony is on the we sell consoles and we make dope games that's our plan that's what works we're not going to move off of that yeah we got subscriptions now that's cool we're still not budging off the thing that we do and that is we sell dope consoles and have dope games microsoft's do so i don't know like even even if sony knows this stuff like the way phil came off he was just like yeah this stuff is old but you know okay like the fact that you pass it off in just a single tweet is like okay maybe they're not really as concerned about these kind of leaks in the first place some have even suggested they did it on purpose i don't think there's a lot to say and they definitely did and he's like purpose we will share the real plans like that's just a weird phrasing like are these just you know, fake plans that it was all cool all along, you know, like I don't understand. It's, it's the, I have nothing else I can say here. Like that, that's really like, what are you going to (laughs) say? Like, that's really the only thing you can say. And especially he did say the thing about like the teams are hurt about having all of this drop. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. Anytime. Like, yeah, you don't want anything leaks. Like (laughs) that's not how you want people to find out. So yeah, Yeah, for sure. But, you know, one to, thing that's, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say go ahead, with go ahead. Brooklyn, uh, the <laughs> the interesting thing about it is like this pretty much feels like it confirms everything that we've heard, which I, I guess Microsoft has kind of leaned into that. It's just there's not a pro system coming. We're not getting the the one X. Uh, if, if anybody's noticed, Microsoft has walked away from that. that remember that all the ads, the most powerful console and all of that that kind of disappeared and the reason is is because 
You know, that that that's not what they're look like you said, that's not their goal at this point anymore. They tried that. It cost a lot of money, uh, is what I think happened. A lot, so there's some people said they over-designed the Series X, and that really shot them in the foot because it cost a lot of money to make them. That's one of the reasons the S was pushed so hard, is because it was not as expensive. <laughs> so it made it a little bit easier for them to recoup money. And now that we see this, notice there's not a Series S redesign. <laughs> That's because it makes the money's just fine for the Series S. The X, however, needs a redesign to make more money. And if if everything is true, Sony's about to have the most powerful console on the market because the rumor is, is they are working on a PS5 Pro. Everything we've seen leaked will be that. So it's, like you said, it's very interesting. Two completely different directions right now when it comes to the console makers on how they are approaching their market. Uh, going to be very interesting to see how next year lines up, considering the, the PlayStation 5 Pro is supposedly coming next year. Uh, and we will see how Sony adjusts with everything. Uh, with the controller, one of the things I saw right away was that they're, they're pretty much, this is their dual sense. <laughs> they, they were like, oh, yeah. oh all the haptics, yep, haptic. all that stuff yep. is like everybody <laughs> seems really to like. love that, and we don't have it, and it's being used in reviews as it has haptics, and <laughs> they're like, "Uh, we need to do this." <laughs> yeah. So Sony has had like the six-axis, like this still doesn't have the full like motion stuff. Like it has the accelerometer and stuff. It doesn't have everything that yeah all the pieces not that they're that important or anything but it doesn't have all of those like you had mentioned with the whole direct to cloud thing that's something that they're really pushing uh there are some people who are wondering if it is going to be like stadia's controller and that it connect can connect through wi-fi yeah that's what i'm curious yeah uh that that's something that i've heard somebody say something about so just just interesting ideas i i kind of don't like the color scheme it looks like it's wearing pants um it again it's if a controller me. was to wear pants would it wear it like this or would it wear it like this like i, I just you it, know it, in my opinion it's a bit of an ugly controller but that's just seeing it on a slide like that that's just seeing it on a slide that yeah i'm not me. sure this is the final look yeah so um that that's just that's just what I feel about it with the way it looks. Yeah, I, I doubt I doubt this would be the final yeah. look. Uh, considering the controllers that Microsoft has made, you know, at least since at least up since the 360, uh, they've been good designs. So yeah. for them to go from real good designs, you know, the Series X controllers, you could do some beautiful stuff with it. To this, uh, you know, that yeah. I don't know. But uh, I, I wonder if this is just like a little um, thing where they're just kind of showing you like this is where the immersion happens, yep. you know. And so it's, it's like, like the, the blueprint for it, yeah. Not, not like the final build, <laughs> right? I, I hope. I hope. Um, when it when it comes to the next gen system, I the whole hybrid cloud thing that just. I sat there and watched them talk about this crap during Crackdown 3. And I hope that we do not go down the Crackdown 3 route again. Does everybody remember the, 
oh, the, we'll use, we're going to leverage the power of the cloud to make all of this multiplayer stuff like fall apart and whatnot and blah, 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 blah. It's going to be able to do so much more than what the console can actually do. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that's the direction they're I, going I in. I hope not, but I'm just at least a little bit concerned with just the wor- verbiage of it. Because not only that, cloud computing, it you're just asking for something finicky. Some w- When it comes to like just connections and all that kind of stuff and developers already have enough to deal with. When it comes to having to, you know, they they're forced to to build to the lowest common denominator, which whether or not we like it and whether or not it's closer out of the ballpark or whatnot is the S. How how does this affect that? I mean, I is Microsoft buying all the third party because then they can force them to make things how they want them, <laughs> or? Well, I- we don't know. We don't I, even I'm know. If they're this gonna is, take, again, this is more speculation on yeah. all of this kind of stuff. But like, I, I just don't like the idea of leveraging the power of the cloud when it when I've seen in action people bring this up as, and and it just did not work. Um, and technology can change obviously in the next decade, but even now it feels like we're scratching the surface of whatever this the cloud can do. And I'm not sure that we make humongous jumps in the next little bit to to base your entire console around. Like I, um, I think it depends on how they use it. Um, yeah. If it is more about access, then this fits right in line with the Game Pass model, and you know they just want to have a piece of hardware that uh, enhances that particular experience potentially, but. I wish I remember the game that does it, but there's a Ubisoft game that does utilize cloud functions with their open world stuff that handles like all the functions and the going ons that happen as you're playing the game. Um, I don't remember what it is, but I played it. <laughs> I just don't remember which one. They all kind of <laughs> feel similar, but you understand what I'm saying. It works. It's not like this crazy mess. Now, in terms of what Microsoft was trying to do with Crackdown, yeah, that that didn't sound like it was going to work, and the technology was much um, was more in a baby state at that point. So, perhaps, I mean, by this time, we're talking about Microsoft's Azure cloud that's been here for a while, and by the twenty twenty eight, they'll have even more control over it and probably even have more infrastructure surrounding it so it is possible that maybe games can utilize it in a more productive way by that time um considering all things i mean we remember mag on the playstation where it was like playstation 3 was like 256 players or something like that and it was just absolutely ridiculous and Nobody was ready for that. Like the internet was not ready for that. Games were not ready. Like, so sometimes things can be ahead of its time. Perhaps what Microsoft was trying to do with Crackdown 3 ahead of its time. Tech wasn't ready. All that stuff. But they decided to go with it anyway, just to push it out. I don't know. 
I feel I, like I just there's options. With a hundred dollar price point, like that, that to me spells we're really trying to leverage that side hard because that cuts a lot of costs. Cloud cuts a lot of costs for them. You talk about the the little thin OS thing. Yeah. Like if yeah, we're, I don't, if we're getting I don't. into it, if we're getting into that low of a cost of entry, then that means you are you are really looking to leverage that other side to cut the cost of what cuz everybody knows hardware costs you money. Like sure. so you if you can have something that does all the work for you that's invisible and server based, especially when you already own it. <laughs> It's less, co- a lot less cost than what a piece of a chip is going to cost. So it's, it's yeah, just yeah I hope, think it depends on what yeah, they're going for. I hope, I hope it works well. I just, it does, it's a concern uh, when your game is having to run off of all of it. I agree. It's, especially it's, when, especially when a connection, when your game, it's all about the connection you have to the internet. Yeah, it, it it's a risky move, but as we as we have witnessed with Google Stadia, it could work. Yep. Like we witnessed that. We know Google Stadia as a piece of software hardware, I guess I don't know what to call it. It worked. What the problem was was the, the business model it was the behind content, it. Yeah. Yeah. So if Microsoft can get their stuff on a Google Stadia level. That's pretty yeah. good. I mean, the cloud, oh, oh, what yeah, they have right sure. now is not horrible. It's not, it wasn't as, it's, it's not, not as great. good as Stadia. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Stadia was pretty crisp. The, uh, I mm-hmm. still, even if I'm using my Series X, like I, I still have issues with, uh, w- with everything working correctly. Yeah, there's. Uh, the, I will pick and choose which games so, I decide to just play on cloud just my, to try it out or something. My screen tearing has not looked great. <laughs> with that that's been my biggest issue with screen tear oh really interesting yeah. mine is button lag <laughs> oh yeah that's that's been there too <laughs> yeah well and that's because a lot of people don't have good uh, people always look at download 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 bro your uploads gotta, yeah, it's gotta be good that, too that, and that's almost the important part <laughs> almost everybody has sucky upload <laughs> that's just yeah that's just how it works <laughs> agreed let me uh use Okay, let's move on to. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's this is a very such a big subject with how much dropped, and there's so much you can speculate over, man. Like, and none of us are going to be a hundred percent right on any of this. Like, oh no, be, because all of its stuff is yes. A lot of this stuff is probably true, but like we said, things can change. Yeah, this is kind of what, uh, at least from marketing speak, this is what they're going for in terms of you know key technological enablers for this vision. You know, cloud edge architecture across silicon graphics and OS enabling ubiquitous play. So I'm I'm guessing cloud to edge meaning Microsoft Edge, the browser. Who knows? If I'm forced to use Microsoft <laughs> right? Edge, we might as well go ahead and bury that next gen platform already. I use Edge, it's fine. <laughs> it's uh, totally fine. That that this is the problem with you. What? I'm a it's fine. boy. <laughs> You said fanboy? I'm a chrome chrome boy. <laughs> I go back and forth actually. Sometimes I get fed up with Chrome and then I switch back to Edge and then I get fed up with Edge and then I go back to Chrome. <laughs> I'm about to do that on my phone right now. I'm like, okay, I've I've had enough of Edge. I'm going back to Chrome. 
uh, yeah, optimization and acceleration of game performance, operations and development for players and creators. That's the other part too. At the end of the day, the the reason why the Xbox Series S and the PlayStation Five were so close in in hardware and all that is because they talk to developers and the developers tell them what they're looking for in their console. So at the end of the day. I mean, we we saw in some email exchanges that Phil Spencer was excited about the PlayStation 5 specs because he was like, we have better stuff. We can beat them because our GPU is better and you know, all this other but, stuff. But then you've got to be able to utilize everything the best. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, point being, really, PlayStation 5 has better SSD, like clearly. Yes. Well, and, Cerny, Cerny was behind the whole design of it, and that guy's a genius. Right. And then the Xbox is more, you know, graphics and GPU based um, and more, more CPU based. Um, so, but they're so freaking similar. Like those yep. are really the major differences. And that's because they talk to the developers and developers are like, well, this is ultimately what we want. We want fast SSDs. We want this and, and that. This is what we're looking for. And the direction they went is. Sony's like, we just run a really fast SSD. And Microsoft is like, we're going to give them the ability to push graphics as far as, as they want with the GPU. So when which, it comes which to... Is a far cry from the PS3. Just have to say that. Like, cause Sony did oh, whatever yeah. the heck they wanted. And then we're like, this did not work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which also is a far cry for what, you know, Microsoft did with the Xbox One. Right? Yep. So, like, all that. So, because the TV, Xbox TV, One was TV. awful. Uh, both of those consoles were actually awful in hindsight after the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox came out. Oh my God. But um, when we talk about what's happening in 2028, none of this stuff really matters if the developers aren't going for it, right? Yep. So they have 100%. to do it in a way. They have to do it in a way where the developers are like, okay, yeah, we see what you guys are doing. We want to be a part of that. We want to make games that use these tools and technologies and whatnot because we think this is where games can go we think we could do some interesting stuff with this so as much as all of this stuff is real as much as all of this stuff is their vision we still have to take it all with a grain of salt because yes it is true phil spencer said it's old and it probably is by now like i don't know when this stuff this wasn't yesterday like <laughs> they didn't come up with this stuff yesterday and then put it in the file drive go ahead noah i was just like oh man they leaked like tuesday's documents like oh no you know like <laughs> yeah no this stuff uh you know they they build these these little marketing decks as as a vision for the people who are working on this stuff you know they try to get them like this is what this stuff is going to look like um so uh it could change it could change i love that smiling our, david our, our good friend travis northup he's like <laughs> He's like, I know more about the next Xbox than I do the new Switch, which has apparently already been shown off in the closed doors <laughs> meetings. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. That's fascinating. Um, yep. Um, Yay leaks. <laughs> speaking speaking of Nintendo, actually, um, we got email <laughs> from Phil Spencer saying <laughs> yep. that uh, he really wants to buy nintendo now these emails were back in 2020 um let me find them real quick which if i remember essentially it's not necessarily i'm gonna buy nintendo because that's what everybody took it as without reading it it was if the opportunity came up heck yes which again 
would any company, if an opportunity to buy one of the best video game companies in the world popped up, would not want to do it? I think it was more the email ended up being more of a... I feel like the email was more of a, hey, <laughs> it's a good idea, but it ain't happening. Because <laughs> we all know that Nintendo, back when Xbox first was trying to get in the market, I think Xbox tried to buy them and Nintendo pretty much laughed them out of the building. Yeah, they did. And I'm pretty sure they do the exact same thing now. I mean, maybe, maybe. Um, only the Xbox One was clearly like, Really, you guys are going to try this now? Like, y'all have no freaking clue what you're doing. Now they're actually doing some more interesting things. Nintendo is collaborating more with Microsoft. Um, Still buying them is a whole, is a far cry though sure. from from sure. collaboration. Sure, one hundred percent. I'd still laugh them out of the building. <laughs> no, yeah, because it is. I'd be like, no, thought. I'm going to buy you. <laughs> well, <laughs> Phil, Phil Spencer, I think, said he's like the 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 biggest hurdle is that Nintendo's got cash, like it was all caps. <laughs> like, and get Nintendo sitting on coffers, man. <laughs> speaking of, I think they have like fifty billion dollars in cash so people always talking about oh nintendo like the wii u oh my god nintendo's gonna cry. nah they they good that's why they, they were able to survive the wii u they had so much money just sitting there they could kind of deal with that and move on to the next thing <laughs> yeah not that they were happy with it but yes they absolutely could but yes and, and the, now they're back to bukus <laughs> right cash because of the switch third highest selling console all time already yep. um yeah, Phil Spencer says, let me pull it up. He says, at some point, uh, at some point, getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe a good move for both companies. It's just taking a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off of their own hardware. <laughs> a long time. That sounds Ellipses. like you wrote that during the Wii U With era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, it does feel that way um so i actually think phil does have a point here <laughs> nintendo's stomping on you. they could do whatever the heck they want <laughs> so well here's the thing um i will agree with phil on this point nintendo is very up and down with their hardware like they don't really come out consistently year after year after year and just put out banging hardware every single time you know the nes to the snes was probably like the only time they've really put out hardware and it was like yeah. the n64 didn't sell well part of that was because the developers didn't want to develop with the cartridge the gamecube didn't sell well even though it actually had some really good games on it that thing did not sell well at all uh obviously they bounced back with the wii they had the wii u which sold horribly and now they have the switch right so they really haven't had a consistent like thing going on so what phil i think is insinuating here is that hey you got if we buy you guys out we can have hardware where you can do whatever the frick you want you could keep you can make it the smallest little whatever you can make whatever game you want you can make it look however you want you can make it play however you want we will do whatever you want to do but if y'all have to keep on having making this hardware Forget that. We're here for you. We can do hardware, which is Xbox Series X is a very nice piece of hardware. All right. The PlayStation 5, both of them, excellent pieces of hardware. So I think that's Phil's point. Like, 
Stop with the up and down. Let's buy you. <laughs> All right. We'll pay the $150 billion, whatever. And y'all could just make games because y'all are the best game makers on the planet. After, I think that's the point. I kind of I kind of agree with it a little bit. I, I kind of do. I'm, I might get the point, but uh, after what just ha- has just happened with Activision, there's no way in heck it'll it will ever happen. Like, no, it, it no, not after that. Not after the fight. And they're a Japanese company and just all this. There's so many hurdles. No. And, yeah. I agree. And I'll, I that will, again, that is a monopolization conversation. Oh, and, and again, I, we will talk about the fact of consolidation is absolute is not good for the industry. It just isn't. You, it's not. You, you kill creativity with it. So yeah, it's not something I would root for, but I I can understand where Phil is oh, yeah. thinking. Um, yeah, he, because he's just yeah. you know, on some cope, you know, yeah, he's if, just if on every, some cope. You know, like, hey, <laughs> he sure is. If everybody was on my console. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Cause yeah, the Wii the Wii U was a disaster. I mean, as soon as they announced oh, it, yeah. it was like, "What? What the frick? <laughs> Why is this called the Wii U I number one? one day one?" And even I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> uh, so there was that, and then yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there were some emails about the PlayStation Five, and you know that was interesting just from a business perspective. The email exchanges that Phil was having with some of the other people involved with the launch period playstation 5 they show their stuff they're excited because they're like we have something that competes and when they think it's better of course they think it's better uh so ah, i don't know that was just interesting to look at yep but uh yeah there's just so much and that's the thing is there's way more slides and other things that you can dive into when it comes to different things so yeah i only showed probably not even half of the slides yeah yeah, there, there was a lot there. Look like you're about to say something, Noah. You're, you're muted. muted, Noah. Well, I was just sorry. I was just trying to find. Um, there was one of the slides that I was wanting to look at, but I can't find it. So, can you describe it, it? I probably have it. Uh, I think it was. Oh, it was the Bethesda one. Can you pull up the Bethesda one? Because I just lost. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give me a moment. Zoom it in. Oops, that's not what I want. And there we go. Yeah, Yeah, my... It was just weird to me that, like, with all this cloud stuff, like, the amount of console... And like PC to like the free to play mobile stuff, it's weird that they just have planned titles, like and projects so and so. Like it just kind of it made me think like with their whole mindset of like cloud and all this other stuff like hybrids. Like you think that they would put a little bit more into um, mobile and free to play because Sony's sounds like they're heavily going into the free to play life service thing, where Microsoft is just looks like they're kind of staying away from it for, for now I think that, part of that head. is part of that is grabbing Activision Blizzard King because King is a huge mobile so that's true as of right now Microsoft has zero footprint in mobile so that that's honestly getting, the biggest reason they're grabbing ABK oh yeah I it probably is the biggest reason uh just getting to the mobile market in a big way um 
Activision and Blizzard is is very delicious uh, icing on the cake. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess it is kind of interesting that it is only one for fiscal year, but I, it might be because they're letting third party developers create these like more free to play titles and putting them on Game Pass. That would be my guess because they don't have much. But in terms of the the studios that they have, I don't know. I, I don't think any of them besides 343 um, can. Uh, I mean, any of them can, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, that's not their bag. Yeah, I was, it just kind of threw me for, you know, as I'm just scrolling through because there's, like you said, there's so much content, like just... Huh, there's not a lot of mobile free-to-play stuff. And, you know, with Bethesda's thing, you know, specifically, but still. Also did notice Weird. with one of the slides, Phil lied by omission with the whole uh, Is Elder Scrolls 6 coming to other things? And he started talking about case-by-case basis. It's like, bro, it's on a slide that is not coming to PlayStation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, sure, yeah. I mean, straight straight up lied about it, buddy. <laughs> Well, it's it's on a case by case basis, and the case by case was uh was decided. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope. It's, it, it, it's just a reminder of how no executive is clean when it comes to this oh, kind of God. stuff. Everybody wow. thinking, you know, Uncle Phil loves everybody. No, he's a businessman, guys. Oh, he, oh God. I mean, he does love everyone, but he is a businessman. You know. <laughs> probably does he, he don't love the but, ftc or cma i'll tell you that, that yeah, you do not that, love everybody <laughs> yeah when you when you run a uh you know multi-billion dollar company yeah like, you know as much as people you're, you're trash on person. jim ryan i mean at least we have no shades of he's uncle jim or any, like straight up he's cutthroat like Fam, I'm going to launch a special edition Spider-Man console the day Starfield comes out. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't... I don't <laughs> that's out of pity, I think, just to mess with them. <laughs> you know? It was intentional. There's You do not launch a console, a special edition console, a month and a half before the game comes out for any other reason. <laughs> right. So their business model <laughs> reflects the type of person Jim Ryan is, right? Yeah, he's, exactly. He's and that's what I'm petty. getting at. You know, you know what you're getting out of Jim Ryan. There is no, yeah. there is no, he's sh- underneath the table. He's a different person kind of thing or on the stand. I don't get that vibe from Phil though. I don't get the vibe that Phil is like this ultra different persona in front of us. Oh, I think I'm not he saying did- that. I'm just saying that people treat him as a, he's, a, he's just a gamer. No, he's a businessman. Like, oh yeah, no, that's just foolishness. That, yeah. that is foolish thinking. No, he is a businessman. He, he will, he will play the game as it is needed to be played, but. I mean, he, he is in a position where they're not in the lead. So he is definitely, uh, I would like to see what he acts like when he's in the lead. <laughs> then we, then we really get to see what uncle Phil is like. All right. Shall we spin the wheel? Spin that wheel. Let's. All right. Bring it up. I'd like there to be a topic pop up that I'm not having to be involved in. <laughs> well, there's only two options left, we, and neither of them you're involved we, in. We we need we need no. All right, Noah. How do you pronounce this? Yeah. I still don't know, dude. And I've seen like three different pronunciation like ways. I typed it into Google. 
you know, like, how do you pronounce this? And it's like, hey, here's the top 50, you know, 50 ways. And so I was just like, and literally clicked through each one and it was different. It was really weird. But I've heard like Toho, Tohu, Tohu. It's, and there's what no. What do you choose? I'm going with Tohu because it just okay. seems fun. Uh, and I wish because even playing the game, um, there's no like voice acting or anything like that. There's no, when you pop up, there's no Mario Kart eight, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't say the name <laughs> of the game. Yeah. So I still don't know what it, uh, is, you know, the proper pronunciation. Um, especially when you see like text based, like, Oh, it's supposed to be this. Like, no, nah, I need audio files, please. Um, but yeah, so I got to play this really fun, short, uh, not really indie game. I wouldn't call it that much, um, but it probably is kind of feels like it. It's kind of the complete opposite of what David got to experience was like this semi complex combat system with all these interwoven features and mechanics and abilities, all this other fun stuff in the combat if you if that's too much for you or if you just want to turn your brain off this is a really fun and simple um rpg that uh i really liked i didn't think i would i thought i would get really bored with it um playing after the first couple of hours um but no like it's pretty addictive with its simplicity i i like that it's a breath of fresh air um so to start off, your the storyline's pretty um, starts off pretty normal, and then as you hit like the halfway mark, it kind of elevates, like a lot of what JRPGs do towards the final act. Can you explain normal? <laughs> no, if you, so, if you're a so, JRPG fan, that, I mean, there's really nothing normal about JRPGs. So there's I, so there's this land that's Gensoko. I believe is how you pronounce it. Again, they don't say anything in the game. So you <laughs> kind of have to like, you know, predict the best you can. Um, but there's this land that yokai uh, inhabit, which yokai are just, you know, I think most people should know yokai, little monster, little things. Um, it's kind of a different interpretation in a lot of uh, games, but they coexist with the people in this realm. And because of that, they kind of get shunned from the outside world. So for many years, they're isolated because they're like, hey, these are just little yokai. They're not doing anything to anybody. And if they do try to mess with us, we'll just put them in our place. Um, so they have no idea of what's going on with the outside world. There's a barrier that prevents it. Um, an outsider, a young girl, gets in, meets one of two characters that you can choose from. It's really cool that they put two different storylines in it. They don't just simply do a character swap though. That's one of the things I really liked each um, narrative. They start and end the same, but the middle is vastly different. The way you go about who you meet, who you interact with the combat, um, boss fights the way you go about it it's all different which i loved it felt like two different stories which you don't get a lot of times when it's like pick a character it's one swapped out for the other i really like that it it actually felt like two different 
um, stories. And so, yeah, you're basically trying to figure out how she got in there um, because an outsider is not supposed to be able to get into the Gensoko. So that's kind of the basis of it. It's this mystery um, of like, why is she here? And then it evolves into there's different dream realms and all this other stuff that I won't get into for spoiler reasons. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. The combat is a it's like action RPG with um, some like bullet hell elements. So when you're going through each stage, um, all the story missions are just kind of basically stages, which I liked. Um, very linear. You don't have to, you know, spend too much time exploring or anything like that. But yeah, so you'll have attacks that you can jump block parry things like that and the way you attack is you have these skills which are on the bottom right of the screen if you can see and it's just simple button presses that's it they work on a cooldown timer uh some are more close range some are um some are close melee based and then some are long range like magical attacks so there's a little bit of variety which i liked it kind of helped me build a kit um, it felt the cooldowns were pretty short, which I liked. It's the primary way that you'll actually do your attacks. Um, I was really scared that it was like, okay, I'm just going to have to kind of like when you're playing Final Fantasy, you like spam melee a bunch and then you build up enough to do your range attack. But no, you, you spend a majority of your um, combats using these really cool magical spell skills that you can swap out with. Um, the thing that I didn't like is with, you have three main skills and then a ultimate ability kind of skill thing. They didn't really feel the same. They both kind of do a large AOE heavy attack. There's not really any kind of variance. Um, I talked about it in my review. It, like each character got two. I feel like one should have been a like single target heavy damage kind of one. And then another kind of be like a AOE take out a lot of enemies at once. But no, they both kind of just did a big large attack that was kind of boring, but that's probably the worst part about the combat system on that. It's just really fun. It's addictive. Um, I like the bullet hell elements because in a lot of these boss fights, um, you're constantly having to move. Um, and you can block parry, um, which I, I like, I, you know, coming from my destiny background, I don't like running to a plate standing on it for boss fights, that whole kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's got a lot of the core elements of RPGs. There's an item shop, there is a way you can level up your skills. Um, it's got a kind of a power amplifier, which if you do like these side missions, which are pretty, they're not straight copies of main missions. They're actually a little bit different, but if you get those, you can get a little currency that lets you permanently increase certain attributes. Um, there's loot, like a lot of, the um, JRPGs in this genre that they have some like rarity to them, but it doesn't really give you a good idea of what's kind of higher scaled and higher valued. It's just like, Hey, 
uh, here's your stats, look at your stats, and if they go up, that's good. If they go down, it's bad. You know, so, but you can see me here, like, when there's different options, uh, if you can see on the screen, like, some will go down with red, um, with, like, your crit chance, stuff like that. It's it's very simplistic, which I loved. Um, like David said before, incredible soundtrack. Uh, I... I'm hoping they release the full thing on Spotify at some point because it's one of the things that kept me playing the game was just fighting and listening to the soundtrack. Uh, kind of think of a... It covered a lot of basis. Like you had some of the traditional like Japanese um, music and then it was like mixed and blended with like some percussion rock uh like background so really good soundtrack um one of my favorite parts that uh kept me playing honestly like it's just it became so fun to just run around and like i said it's simplistic it's a very easy to pick up game you just run around and hit like two or three buttons you know it's it's not uh, not this you have to turn your brain on heavily you know tactical and even it's it's lower paced than a lot of like action RPGs I've seen and played. Um, so yeah, the the fun is it's simplicity. Both storylines took me about fifteen hours to beat, so I I put it's a good weekend binge. Uh, I took it at a little bit slower pace just for you know reviews and looking for secrets and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, somebody could totally knock this out in a weekend i i think and have a really fun time with it um so yeah that's you know i called it a, a short and sweet uh impressions from it from a short and sweet game it's an adorable little adventure it's a uh, it's a lot of fun i i really liked it um gave it I believe it 80 out of 100 um, there's a lot of things that are going for it uh, apparently this is a the studio that made this is a smaller studio that made a fan-made game in this universe. I have never heard of this Tohu universe before. Um, it was very interesting that their first game was like a fan-made game. And then the people who, I guess, run the Tohu franchise were like, Hey, do you want to make like an official game for us? I'm not sure. <laughs> so, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to kind of do some lore reading on the developers and stuff like that so yeah I, I had a ton of fun with this i definitely give it a recommendation just for the sure sake of turn your brain off listen to some really good uh jams and yeah it, it's a fun time when the gameplay started you know i'm seeing you know kind of basic hack and slash top down type of you know dungeon crawler ish type of stuff and then you get to one section and all of a sudden just sprays of bullets come out I'm like oh okay yeah that is not what i expected here with this um that alone got my attention i i can see why some people might um because each stage is kind of the same like you'll run through and explore and you'll have to get to the final area at the final area, you get a boss fight. Up until the boss fight, a lot of the enemies you can one-shot unless you don't do any of the side missions and you stay a little bit under-leveled, and then you might have to you know, do some extra attacks. But 
that didn't get boring, which I think is a credit to the devs where they made it just such a fun and easygoing experience that I didn't get bored just running around pressing a button to kill an enemy every time. Um, nice. You'll have these like ambush sections, which the yokai themselves, like I said, when you're facing one, it's pretty easy to dispatch. You just press, you know, like one of your attacks and that generally knocks out. But whenever you have multiple of them, you know, it can get pretty overwhelming, which, you know, by that time you have an ultimate, which does a lot of, you know, which is what you're seeing here. It's a lot of big AOE damage. Um, but yeah, it's just fun. It's addicting. It's got a great soundtrack. A lot of things that for me, um, if you can keep me playing whenever it's like, hey, majority, 90% of your levels, you're just going to be running around pressing one button to kill everybody. If you can still keep me, you know, engaged and excited to play, I, I definitely think that's a good credit to the devs. Agreed. Okay. Tohu ho New World. All right. That's the way I would pronounce Tuhu, it. Tohu ho Yoo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Nice. Okay. It does look interesting. I, I will say that. I will say yeah, that. So it's, a, it's a fun weekend weekend binge. You know, you don't, you don't have to put 100 hours of content into it like you are going to be in February with Final Fantasy. You know, this is, this is like, hey, you got two days, knock yourself out. Nice. Okay. All right, well. Before we get into F-099, since I have the floor, it's my turn. I feel like this is a good time to bring up something a little personal I wanted you to get your opinion on. Uh, And I'm going to bring it up because I feel like more people need to hear about issues that others go through and you know know that they're not the only ones going through something so you know i just want to i just want to be vulnerable with you guys um and you david as a you know as a man of faith as a married man you know you could probably understand the problem of what i'm going to talk about um so uh i have an addiction um I can't stop playing F-099. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't want to be here. I want to be playing F-099, and I want to be trying to be getting up on these leaderboards right now. He Help is, me, guys. He is addicted to the grind. You know? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> this game is so freaking good. Oh, my gosh. I love freaking F-099. I did not expect to love it as much as I do, but I do. Um, this is the Battle Royale that does Battle Royale a little bit differently. As you know, Battle Royale, it is one versus whatever the amount is. The goal is to be the last person standing. Not in F-099. The goal is still to be the one who wins the race. And you got four laps to do it, and you're doing it against 99 other people. So there's two different ways this battle royale goes down. Uh, What you're watching right now is what's called the Grand Prix mode, which I'll get into that in a little bit. But the base mode is basically you get into basically kind of a quick match. You're given one of the six tracks to choose from, and then you race against 99 
other players and you try to get first and it is absolute chaos. I was about to say, this is just chaos on the screen that I'm watching. Absolute chaos, but it fits so much with the F-Zero brand. If you are familiar with F-Zero, you know that it's a game about surviving. It's a game about destroying other drivers and winning the race and going as fast as possible. And this fits every little bit of everything that is F-Zero. So every time you have, spin, I get the, I think of the Mario sound effect that <laughs> only hit a banana <laughs> yeah. 50 times oh, in one yeah, lap. Yeah. No, well, the, the spin is, is meant to destroy cars. Uh, well, that I'm is thinking of the, staple. I'm thinking of the classic like uh Mario sound when he spins, when he jumps up in like a, uh, the snes mario like yeah uh i think i forget what that sound is um but you have four vehicles you can choose from and it's usually the base for the characters that you can choose from in uh all the f-zeros captain falcon dr stewart pico and samurai goro and the cars that they drive so those are the only cars that are available each have their own uh perks and benefits and cons to them as well so it's just about you know which car do you want which one feels good to you and go from there and try try to win um so um <laughs> this right here is mute city everybody does mute city so winning on this track is like super <laughs> super difficult so when you are actually playing the quick play mode you get to vote it's one of two tracks you got mute city uh, Big Blue and a couple of other tracks. Most of the time, if Mute City's up, people are going to pick that. So everybody's got experience on that. So uh, that could get a little bit annoying, but for the most part, you're going to get a uh, you're going to get a taste of all the tracks. You could practice on tracks. They have a little practice mode that you can do, and all that. So that is basically the the crux of F zero ninety nine. Get first, get as much as possible. The twists on the Battle Royale with Grand Prix mode, though, this is where like the real Battle Royale takes place. You have five tracks you race through. They're already preset in Grand Prix mode. And your goal is to survive until the last track. So as you get through each race, cars are eliminated. Like players are eliminated as you go. So that is the traditional Battle Royale version there. Now, once you get to the last track, if you get there, it's just the top 20. And then from there, it's just win the race if you can. Um, So the Grand Prix is actually more about survival (laughs) than trying to win every single one. Because uh, as you can see, I mean, it just gets absolutely bonkers. And it is hard. Yeah, Yeah, it is is hard (laughs) to get a a top rank. the second Grand Prix I did, well, the first one, Grand Prix I did, I got eliminated, uh, which felt embarrassing, but it's fine. It's how it goes. The second one, I actually got third place overall, which that was nuts. Super hard to do. This one that you're watching, we probably won't be able to finish the whole thing, but this one I actually placed in the top 10. I placed eighth. Um, but that was after being cr- crashing out on <laughs> a previous Grand Prix before that because if you see in the top right corner you have energy if you run out of energy and you get hit you crash out you're done um so that's what you want to avoid so it's a balance of 
your cars have boosts. You use your boost and your boost takes a little bit of energy. So you have to manage all of that as you're, as you're driving. Where do I boost? How often do I boost? All that stuff. And then you have the ability to kind of super boost, I'll just call it. It's called the Skyway, where you build up your secondary meter. Once it's full, you get to go. You see on the top, there's a little track above. You yeah. can hop on that track and basically get above everybody, hit a few dash pads, and probably take some more uh, leads against some other people. So you also have to figure out when do I use that as well. Um, so it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of thinking. And when you play it as much as I do, and when you are, you know, racing against really, really good players as often as I do, like I'm at the point where I keep seeing the same people. (laughs) That's where I'm at in terms of, you know, skill. And like, I just, it's hard, but as you can see, like I placed 58th in the first race and I placed 44th in the second race. I'm still moving on, but after you know we get to the final race, I end up in eighth. So it's Grand Prix is really about endurance. You try to place as high as you can, but that doesn't mean everybody else is going to place or even survive the entire time too. So it's this really fun and interesting way to do the Battle Royale, which Nintendo has done this before with Tetris 99. And Mario Brothers 99, and both of those were excellent. Uh, Tetris 99 in particular was a fantastic way to do the Battle Royale. And Mario 99, I would say, is probably the one that is the weirdest and probably doesn't even fit really well, but it worked. But this absolutely fits everything F-Zero is. It is the perfect game for the Battle Royale style, at least the 99 Battle Royale style that Nintendo does. So... It's not a full-fledged F-Zero game as we know and want, like an F-Zero GX or an X or something, but this is a fine holdover <laughs> because there's oh, yeah. so much strategy to it. They're also going to add more. Um, they're basically kind of doing their own version of Seasons where they will also do uh, add more cups, add more tracks, and things like that, so... The tracks that we're racing on for these Grand Prix and things like that are the easiest tracks. They're only going to get progressively tougher as the seasons go on. So um, right now, you know, there's a certain vehicle that's just, you know, kind of dominating the meta. That could totally change next season where the tracks become tougher. Um, So I don't know if ranks will reset after that. I hope they would. But if not right there. Yeah, so there's these little bumper cars on the track as well. So that that gray one was actually just this AI bumper car. If you run into it, like it's going to bump you around and put you into the guardrails, which you do not want. But then they also have uh, self-destructive bumpers as well, where if you bump into it, it will explode and take a bunch of your energy. So there, there is a lot. It's chaos. It's F-Zero. This is exactly the kind of thing F-Zero fans want. So um, yeah, it's... I'm just addicted to it. And after we're done here, I'm probably going to play some more because <laughs> <laughs> I've already missed. I got a Grand Prix coming up in an hour <laughs> and I want to, I want to do it. Their Grand Prix only happen every two hours. You need tickets, uh, but they also have many, many Grand Prix that happen every like 20 minutes or so. So um, yeah, it's as much, as, as much as it feels like there's not a lot of content, there's, 
there's just a lot of ways to utilize the content that's there. They have, you know, team races that happen every once in a while. And then they got tougher tracks. They just call pro tracks that are just tougher and you get more, you know, tickets and experience to use for Grand Prix and Mini Prix and stuff. So there's just a lot of little things that go on that really make it interesting. So F099, absolutely. Yeah, I placed third in that race, you know, so nice. you just, you find your spots, you know, um, as you go. So yeah, it's, it's such an invigorating and inciting game. And it's like when you, when you place in a top spot or something, it's like, Oh my gosh, I feel on top of the world. It it <laughs> really brings out that feeling. It's fantastic. I saw what looked like a giant golden crab on one of the one of the cars that like was really big and was completely golden. What kind of what is is that like a power up or something? Yeah, so the bumper cars I was talking about, uh those are the gray and the red ones, those are the ones that basically damage you. The gold one helps you fill up your super boost meter, your skyway meter, um, that little golden meter underneath your boost. So if you bump into that, it gives you a bunch of sparks. Those are those yellow balls that are bouncing around. You can pick those up as people are like colliding and like spinning and hitting each other. These sparks pop out. And if you collect them, that's how you build your meter. So that is a little bonus for people who are in the back or sometimes if you're like close enough to the front, it'll drop. It'll drop in all kinds of random places. But if you bump into it, it'll give you a whole bunch of them and fill your meter up pretty quick if you can bump it like two or three times. So um, it's useful. It can help. <laughs> but that's okay, what that cool. thing is. Okay, cool. That, I was like, that's a big, <laughs> that's a big car. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, F099. Love it. So good. All right, that'll do it for this podcast. Appreciate y'all listening. And by the way, the tip, Alan Wake 2. Yeah. So I got to play Alan Wake 2 while I was in LA playing Final Fantasy Rebirth. Not at the same exact time, but uh, played a, a good amount of Alan Wake 2. So I can't wait to talk about it next week. Uh, the preview will actually be up on Wednesday, uh, written and uh, going to try and do some video for it. And then, of course, we'll hit it on the podcast. Looking forward to it. I know you're excited to talk about it. Oh, yeah. All right. Appreciate you all watching. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you later. Deuces.